take two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. You know, um, not to break the fourth wall, but, you know, this is a little secret we're letting you folks in on that we don't always... It's not live. A lot of you probably think this is coming right, like a radio show. Right. It's happening right now. It's not. We've pre-recorded these. Yeah, that's quite. That's quite. True. I'm probably somewhere else right now. And what, what is, is? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Having forgotten all about this, what we're Are doing. You sure, my dad listens to this fucking thing. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody else. But he doesn't know that. Okay. Anyway, it's the it's um, the morning of Fourth of July. So happy Fourth of July, my friend. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By the time this thing is published, you're going to be off in the uh, the wild the blues, wild North North Pacific. Pacific North don't get West. too much away, Tom. I don't want to be yeah. mobbed by fans. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, sure, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> but it's a good time, I think, to be. It's proud to be an American. I mean, we got um, got some kids in cages. Down by the border, I can, uh, there's a Perrier right here. It's chilled, keeping America safe. That's a safe. good thing. That's a good thing. Perrier that's chilled. Yeah, we're trying to think of some, some good things about this right now. About America? Yeah. Ah, well, we have a president who's definitely not um, uh, a fascist a dictator. Complete, well, not at all. No, but here's Don't the thing. Say that. Best case scenario, maybe just a lunatic. Right, maybe just that's the best case scenario. Absolutely, the lunatics Tom are those libtards that oh. are trying to unseat a just ruler. Three people I'm have sorry, unsubscribed already. <laughs> Three people have unsubscribed. What the fuck are we doing here? I don't know. Look, <laughs> what the hell? I mean, well, here's something that's good about America: hot um, actresses. Ah, oh, spicy hot actresses. Now and we're going to be talking about one of the one of the hottest. I well, would say. see, that's the question or because is, yeah, I don't know. I okay, so Lana Turner is yes. the subject of our episode today, right? Right, Lana Turner. I mean, that was by the way. I just want to applaud us for a seamless introduction and segue into yeah, Lana absolutely Turner. from from kids in cages to Lana Turner. Yep, um, Lana <laughs> Turner was you know she's she is the Hollywood story. I mean, yeah. it's the most classic, right? So it's like the, she was discovered at the soda counter at the Top Hat like pharmacy or whatever mm. you know the old drug stores with the, with the soda fountains, right? In 1936, at 16 years old. Mm. So we'll just put away how right. times have changed, and you like discover a sexy 16 <laughs> year old, <laughs> yeah, and make her quit high school and put mm. her into the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Perfect. So, so it's like classic. Like, I mean, it's really a, a kind of a tragic seed in a way because she became the sort of poster w- girl, literally, poster but also f- a person of poster, a person of poster. Sorry. Uh, and figuratively for, like, that's how Hollywood happens, yes, right? You get right. discovered on the street because of your, you know, you your live, magnetism. And you live a mad you live a mad lifestyle as a result, you know. Yeah, and so... She's definitely part of that part of that mythology, too. And I'm not super familiar. I've seen a, a few Lana Turner flicks, mm. and um, I think she's um, a definitely talented. Yeah. Um, I think that she has a magnetism mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. but it's it's it depends on what film you're talking about because I don't find her as like stunning as others. Uh, physically, I think she's she's incredibly attractive. I would say she's not as good an actress. She's just she's not that good an actress. She's an okay actress, but she's not that great. But she does have that quality of of dragging the camera to her. I, see, like, this, oh, I, I have the that exact focus of the camera. Goes I have the right exact opposite opinion. Uh, for, uh, not all of them, not mm-hmm. the first one, but but in a lot of other films, I have the opposite opinion. I think she's a pretty good actress, but I don't think she's that like visually stunning. 
Really? Well, she has all the requisite parts, right? She's sort of platinum blonde. Right. She has a good sort of figure. She looks weirdly shocking when she's wearing all white and she has that blonde hair. That's like this. Yeah. She's like a pillar almost. You know, oh, like one of the mole people or something. Oh, sexy, sexy mole people. Yeah, but her, her face is, I mean, I don't know. It's, her face is uh, interesting. It's not It's not classically beautiful, but it's very interesting, it's I think. Play-Doh-ish, I think. Hmm, okay. Okay. Anyway, so um, the first one we're talking about is 1946 is the postman. Always, always brings mice. Uh, always, always rings twice. You Save that from yesterday. I did. Well, no, My I saved that from God. fucking Mad Magazine, motherfucker. And that's what I saved that from. Mole. Back in the seventies when I read that, and it stuck with me since. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it stars Lana Turner, but it also stars um John Garfield. John right? Garfield hates Mondays. Hates Mondays. Are you going to tell a, a good joke? On at this some fo- point. This, at some just, point. Oh, at some point. So John Garfield. I mean, we should do an episode on him, certainly, right? But John Garfield mm-hmm. is sort of um. Well, yeah, I don't know. He's a, a very sort of a charming, yeah, super charming, mm-hmm. um, good-looking guy, legendary pecker. Yes, yes, tremendous. Um, and that's about all I know. I mean, he's, yeah. But he he moves the he moves this film along fairly well. But to me, mm-hmm. clearly, she's the focus of this film. Oh, sure, of course, right? The, well, she's the focus. She's also like she's like this weird, unbelievable focus in the middle of it. You know what I mean? It. Well, it's just like she's married to a guy who's way older. She's way too attractive. She's way too like she's like statuesquely pretty throughout this thing like she's yeah this is the like film where she definitely crazily, is hot in this she's film. crazily uh, everybody else around her is crazily out of their depth as far as attractiveness I don't goes. know about John Garfield uh, Garfield kind of pulls it he kind of pulls it together in a rough and tumble sort of a way but mm. certainly like the circumstances in which you find her be, are like just in, in, in initially just highly unbelievable no I don't think so middle aged older guy yeah, uh, stuck a in real the, schlub. Yeah, very much a, a German schlub. schlub. A German schlub, yeah. Not even yeah. a good old American schlub. Right. Not even a good old a Murray. Nazi schlub. Yeah. So he's, so, and he's, sh- you know, schlopsy. Okay, thank you. Somewhere north of Los Angeles, he's got like a, he's got like a, like a, uh, roadside a, hamburger a roadside stand. Roadside hamburger stand, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, she's, she's stuck there. She wants to make the best of it. She wants, she wants wealth and power and fame, and none of it's going to happen there, baby. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, but I think you're, t- you're, you're outlining the story of, um, if not women in history, and certainly American history, you're outlining women in literature. I mean, whether it's Emma Bovary or, or you know, and the Pontier, whoever it is, like that—that's the classic story of like this, like sexual, vibrant, stunning woman. And, and in this film, she actually is stunning. Right. Um, married, sort of like not knowing she had any choices, and so marrying some you know guy t- two decades older than her when she's eighteen because mm-hmm. he's a ticket out. Right. Yeah. So I don't think it's unbelievable at all. Mm, no, it's just—it's kind of well. I think it is it's just because she's that fucking stunning. You know, like she's like she's above. Yeah, yeah it, but she tells a story in this film about about how she knew that and how all these guys came along. But basically, right. you know, it's an, in, in a 1946 coded way. They all wanted to like um, bang her in the dugout, a la Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but mm. had nothing else to offer her. Anyone who was in her league looks wise. Right. Meanwhile, this guy, as John uh, Garfield says, is the first guy who had a gold watch. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess. Don't guess, baby. I don't know. It's Independence Day. Free yourself from that cage and admit that I'm brilliant in my analysis. Oh, no. What is wrong with you today? I don't know. Maybe it's America. (laughs) Maybe. Go ahead. Uh, No, no, that's it. I mean, just I I don't know. I just have this. There's something about it. Well, I'll get to it. I'm going to save this for the analysis. Well, okay. So let me just ask you this as as an overall thing, if if you feel like answering Mm. it. Did that sort of what you're seeing as a a kind of unbelievable mismatch um, take away from the film? 
it one of yeah yeah it kind of did mm-hmm. it did a little bit for me I, I don't okay. know else to say that yeah, yeah fair enough um, and, and overall I mean just I'm not the biggest you know I'm not the biggest fan of this film okay I got to be honest with you so all right so John Garfield comes along he's a sort of um you know a, a, a wayward a traveler yeah. my feet. I got a disease in my feet. It takes me to new places. The tingle and I must walk. Yeah. Right. So he, so it's sort of like a, the opening of Grapes of Wrath in the sense that like we're, mm. we're focusing in on, on John Garfield. He's he's hitched a ride with someone. He's hitched a ride with someone who happens to be, and this is a, a, a very clumsy attorney. part, yeah, who happens yes. to be the local district attorney. <laughs> and we know this because as he drops Garfield off, the, the car starts taking off, yep. and then a cop comes along behind him mm-hmm. and, and and pulls the pulls the car over, yep. pokes his head in the window. And then, and then lets the guy go. Yeah. And, then, and then the cop turns to Garfield and gives him the whole story. Yeah. That this guy was the DA, the district attorney. Some, some of the work from the beginning, the camera work from the beginning of this film, I did like quite a lot. And, and so it, it makes um, very liberal use of simultaneous close-up and tracking shots, which, which adds a sort of like, um, it, like this film keeps moving. Because the film for the, you know, at least 50% of the film has, is sort of staged at this... Yeah. Um, roadside diner. It's you know all a petrified forest type thing, right? Right, right, right. And and so they make use of that space by doing lots of interesting sort of camera work. I like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So John Garfield comes along. Of course, there's a like a help wanted sign at the window. Of this thing. And so you right. know a match and made he in heaven. Maybe wants to. Maybe he'll work here. Maybe I don't know. And then a good looking big cocked man has just arrived. <laughs> where Lana Turner is trapped in a marriage with an older schlub, a schlotzy. And, and, and the schlotzy. And the schlotzy makes it starts making him a burger mm-hmm. and trying to talk him. Into coming in and working for him because yep. he's just idle for because the, the he doesn't believe in background checks or fucking anything like that. I if guess. only a job were that easy to get today. <laughs> no shit. Holy oh my crap. God. Ah, anyways, but sign uh, in the window. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so uh, but anyways, but he's not going to take it. He's, he's probably not going to take it until Lana Turner just happens to come in like just like a pillar of fucking beautiful salt. And there come the sort of guy you guy you guys and the the tongue and the heartbeat. Definitely. And as yeah. much as I as much as I finally grew. To hate that goddamn turban she's wearing throughout most of the movie, mm-hmm. a good chunk of the movie, she pulls, she pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, look, it it it's it's kind of clumsy in the way that it sets up the tension here, and obviously mm-hmm. Garfield and and Turner are going to have some sort of sexual you know tension between them. He yeah. because she's who she is, and she because well, look who I'm married to. Right. Even though the guy she's married to is is generally like a sweet guy. Yeah, he really comes across as a, as a total sweetheart. Yeah, a really nice guy. Yeah. And but so, that's not what women, women don't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and so I don't know. I don't know. If we need to give away particular plot, plot points, but like the next sort of like the second act is all about how do they go off? How do they you know start their own right. romantic life together? And how do we get this guy out of the way? Right. And what are the circumstances that are sort of um, preventing her from just walking away mm-hmm. from the situation? And also, what does she have to walk away to? Because Garfield doesn't have much to offer except his you know tripod and Normie's dong. And and his good looks, right? Right. Which what I understand, women don't like that. No, that's no. just not enough for them. No, they want depth. They want depth. The kind you're hearing right now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and maybe a checking account. I don't possibly. Know. I don't possibly know. Possibly some assets. <laughs> Who knows? Um, well, you're half there. Uh, yeah. When the ets. Very nice. Got my Etsy store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and then uh, you know, um, uh, there's foul play uh, afoot, and um, basically they decide to kill the, the German yeah. dude. Yeah. And then the, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hume Cronin. Hume Cronin. Yes. Is it Cronin? Yeah. 
I believe it is. Hugh okay. Cronin, yeah. Sorry, Jessica Tandy's, Tandy's future husband. Right. In Jules de Sant's, uh Brute Force the next year. Good great, great sort of character actor. Yes. Real slimy. Plays, yeah, he's a shithead. <laughs> Real, yeah, he plays, yeah, he plays a scumbag. He plays a, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it has, it has a Hitchcock-esque, like, third act in terms of, like, oh, my God, this thing just keeps unfolding right. into, like, different, and it's, 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 it's like, uh, 75% noir and 25% Offbeat Tennessee Williams, I feel. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to go like, and there's a little bit of soap opera going on too. There's a, there's, a, there's at least a ten percent of soap opera going on. Ten percent of soap opera. Okay, yeah. I'll buy it. But mm-hmm. I mean, it just has it has a, a lot of layers to it, mm, yeah. and I like that aspect of it. I liked how clean the cinematography was. Yeah. Um, you know, the tension between um, Garfield and, and Turner. Is not super believable, but it never is in noir. I mean, in, I think of like Mary Astor and, and Humphrey Bogart in, in The Maltese Falcon. That's not be- quote unquote believable either, but right, it's, right. it's still really, you know, engaging. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I gave this film a, a, a pretty, I liked it. I gave it a thumbs up. They did a remake in 81 with Nicholson Actually, and I want to ask you about that. Like, how does it compare? Um, well, one of the things is it just skips the, all the third act stuff. It just oh. doesn't go into those like like trap doors at the end. It's oh, just the okay. essential story. Mm-hmm. And what they add to it is all the super sexual tension that could not have happened in 1946. Uh-huh. Well, like thrown on a counter and ripping a skirt up, that type of thing. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice indeed, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, I uh, I got to be honest. I did. I'm not a huge fan of this movie. It seems mm-hmm. there's just. There's a little bit too much going on. They're trying. I think they were trying to capture a little too much of the book, mm-hmm. which apparently was a book? huge hit. No, no, I haven't okay. read it, but it was apparently a huge bestseller, like tremendous, like that 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 perfect novel that gets turned into into a movie, and yep. the movie makes a lot of money because of that. Okay. But I think they were trying to capture a little bit too much of the book and put it into the movie, yep. which sometimes that kind of stuff can be left off, and so it just it goes all over the place in a certain to a certain extent. Like there's this whole thing where they're trying to kill uh, the German uh, the, the husband. And at one, then they they try to uh, you know kill him in a bathtub, and that didn't work. And you know they could have just sort of cut to the chase on a, on a couple of different things. I yeah, thought. but you see, know, I like that. A aspect. little too much movie in here. There is me. too much movie, but I like things like that because it's like it, it, it does give you um, some misdirection mm-hmm. that I appreciate. You know, the fact that they, that they try to kill him once and it doesn't work, and somehow he survives and doesn't know that they try to kill him. And so, how do they try to kill him again? <laughs> And right. that's not sort of doesn't play off the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I get think, where you're coming from. You I just, I have different just found sensibilities kind of boring, about actually. this. Yeah, like, yeah. we talked about North by Northwest recently, off yeah. off air. I mean, we talk about movies all the time. Yeah, yeah. And you find the whole scene where Cary Grant, they try to murder Cary Grant it's by getting him thing drunk. The fuck? I think oh, that's no, no, great. no, no, no. That that is well, that's been used in a lot of different movies actually, and I, and and I don't mind that one. The one I don't like is the. Let's send him to the middle of a cornfield and send a plane out. I think that stuff the, is awesome. That is the dumbest. It's so, my, that is such a stupid <laughs> way. Nobody would try to kill anybody. I hold way. the following truth to myself. I love that guy. You're wrong. It's sir. a great. It's a lovely scene, but the, if you think about it for two <laughs> seconds, it's terrible. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So All I guess right. we're kind of split on this one. All right. Meanwhile, let's not be split on this next one. I think we're going to be in agreement. Oh, uh, well, let's find out. Okay. So we're talking about 1952's The Bad, the bad and the Beautiful. And the beautiful. Now, what's interesting about this is is um, um, it's it's actually a bit, possibly a bit more of a Kirk Douglas movie. But, but I she, think it's more, much more a Kirk Douglas. But she movie. clearly is of yeah. the non Kirk Douglas cast the the, <laughs> the second biggest, and and she's prominent. Right, no yeah, question yeah. about it. Yeah, right? absolutely. So the Bad and Beautiful, nineteen fifty two. This is um, 
you know, following something like Sunset Boulevard, it's it's you know classic Hollywood take on Hollywood, right? Right, and mm-hmm. it's sort of like supposed to be like, what are the, how does this work? Which is ridiculous, of course, but like, how does this work from the you know insider's point of view? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, it's just uh, yeah, and it's, it, it follows uh, the, the career of uh, young uh, Kirk Douglas, mm-hmm. whose father was like one of the great producers, apparently, of like the the, 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 the shields, shields yeah, industry. Yeah. Yeah. So so he created so so he's he's picked up where his father left off, and he's going to go produce movies, and it's all about you know him getting into the industry, becoming super powerful, and it's all related in a series of flashbacks from yep. three people uh, who are called to the his I guess his second man's uh, his second. Um, Second in command's uh, office, mm-hmm. uh, who have all dealt with uh, John, it was Jim John Sh- D- Douglas's character before, and are all, have all refused. So far, We're never going to fucking work with this guy ever yeah. again because he's he's Hollywood bastard. Well, it's a film about an asshole, right? Basically, that's what we're told, right? Yeah. That's the that's the beginning premise of the movie. We don't see him at first, and so we're going to get three witnesses. It's like um, Rashomon, but good. <laughs> Rashomon, <laughs> but without quite as over the top. Anyway, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, so they're they're all like relaying their experiences with this Shields character, which of course is again a very sort of clumsy premise that like let's all three tell our separate stories of meeting uh, yeah. Jonathan Shields. Like anybody, would, like that would ever actually happen, right? No. But fuck it. I mean, it was yeah. It's an interesting. I actually found this to be a reasonable. I I I, I was able to go along with this particular uh, conceit. Here. Yeah, I mean, part of it is you have someone like Walter. Pigeon, who plays his second in command, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's like, um, I find Walter Pigeon to be a great framer of anything. Yeah. He's so likable. He's yeah. got Spencer Tracyism about him. Yeah, he's got compelling. He's got, well, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, Spencer Tracy by way of like John Fuck. Oh man, I, my brain is not working this morning. Oh, that's okay. Bit. Well, it's no different from any. Oh, shut air, your friend. mouth. People you are used to it. I'll take the reins, my friend. Well, go for it. Well, I don't have much to say, but but actually, the the three um, witnesses to you know th- th- that narrate their experience of the mm-hmm. sky shield, the Kirk Douglas pr- production character, right? right. Um, they're just sort of taken in turn. There's no back and forth, right? So we right. have we have this um, sort of friend of his who very early on um, worked with him to try to create a different type of movie. Right. And They're, this is this guy's a, um, a director. Right. Right. He's a, a young director. director. He was at this point he was uh, trying to be a director, but uh-huh. but he but they were they were working in like. You know, B movies like shit movies, yep. like you know, like the, the little one offs in the Poverty Row, and so he, uh, so but he finds a finds a property, develops it, yep. wants to direct it. This is his dream and his baby. He brings Shields into it so that they can develop it, and then and Shields Shield has Oscar Schindler type panache. He can make the thing happen. Yeah. Right? that's really he's a hard worker and he's charming and can convince people of anything. Right, right. And then she does it all the time, and he uh, he goes and he convinces the powers that be that yes, we'll. Make Make this movie, yep. and we're going to put his name on there as a credit for as a uh, as a an associate producer or some shit. Yeah, like I mean, he fucks, his friend, he fucks his friend over. You yeah. know, he he they're they're building, they're making their bones as it, yeah. as it as it were, and and he just totally fucks his friend out of this career, right? Right, being out of being out of directing this particular movie. Now here's the problem: the fact that the guy goes on to become a very successful director does sort of beside the point. My, well, hold they on try a to second. make it part of the point, but yeah. it's stupid. Well, that's that's my problem with this film that I actually like a lot. Mm-hmm. Is the conclusion, or every one of the conclusions, is bananas, right? So it's like Walter Pigeon. He, this guy, this this director, who's like, no. So I will never. This is why I will never work with Shields again, right? right. That's the end of his story. 
And and Walter Pidgeon reminds him, and didn't you go on to become a great director? <laughs> right, right, right. His shitting on you actually motivated you. He really did you a, a uh, bad turn, uh, yeah. didn't he? Right, right, right. And so the whole film, and we can go, I mean, it, each case sort of ends this way, but the whole film is is really Kirk Douglas shitting on people, those yes. people becoming successful partly out of the anger they have towards Shields, <laughs> and then Walter Pidgeon reminding us that that's, it's almost perfect that we're doing it on the 4th of July, that that's the great American way, right. actually. Like, you know, you should be grateful for people who shit on you because it motivates you in a free capitalist society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's fucking weird. And, of course, none of that actually follows. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, it, it has. Well, maybe. I mean, look, you know, maybe I was angry, and it did. Maybe, and maybe it's to say that that motivated you to become well, a great director. It has. Stupid. Uh, Howard, I mean, I, Howard Stern is Howard Stern because every uh, he was an ugly teen who mm-hmm. was rejected by everyone. I mean, it, there are cases where people become yeah, of course, right. maniacs and successful, but yeah. then they just they also just shit on people, right? right. And ultimately, uh, well, Walter Thank Pigeon you, is trying to get them. To uh, to to work back work with Shields again, mm-hmm. so he can make so he can make his comeback and produce this one great movie. So we get these all these stories, and the second story is the I'd say the biggest story, right, in terms of length, in terms of focus, and that's the Lana Turner story. And yeah. this Lana Turner is this sort of extra um, who's uh, a, a bit of a lush, mm-hmm. never really getting anywhere, has to live up to her father's reputation, who was a famous actor. Right, she right. can't do it. She's living. Um, it's implied she's um, sort of a slut. Yeah, we uh, never get to see very much of that, unfortunately. But. No. Ma. Boo. Boo Um, But we get to see her, her drinking around and blowing chances, and Kirk Douglas believes in her, and he builds her up, and he builds her up by romancing her and making right. her believe that he's really, really well, into her. Because that's what he realized. That's, that's her lever. That's how he can make her work. And then drops her. And then drops her, because he never really was involved. He, he had no, zero interest in her. No. Yeah, no. I do kind of be honest. I, the one, the, the the Hispanic lady that he had a thing for, that she was really something. The no. Hispanic lady. Yeah, the, who the was that? Sultry dame. I don't remember. You mean Gaucho's ex girlfriend? Yeah, Gaucho's. She was ex- Hispanic. Well, she was hanging out with him. You'd so. make a terrible racist, Tom. You, have, you, have really, <laughs> <laughs> you can't identify. Well, I'm sorry I disappointed you, Joe. I'm sorry I haven't lived up to <laughs> your quality, your star quality. <laughs> so, anyways, but she, so, was, she was something else. She, hmm. Anyway, so, yeah, I told you. So Lana Turner is, you know, understandably fucked. But to me, the really, the huge fuck over is the third one. The third one, the yeah. Guy, the writer, <sighs> who basically... I mean, some basically Kirk Douglas. He doesn't maneuver to have this guy's wife killed, but he doesn't not either, right? Right, and somehow this guy's wife is killed, and and Kirk Douglas is kind of responsible or knew about shady well, dealings. He knew about it. I mean, he could have like been honest about it, but then he had lost. That's the one. Like, the one look, advantage. if you cheat on me in a relationship, or if I never you, would, <laughs> or if you cheat me out of a business opportunity as we're going up, I could possibly forgive you and work with you again. Mm-hmm. If you killed my wife, who I was in love with, I don't think so. Well, the thing, the thing is also not just that, but not he didn't kill his wife. He knew he basically took one of his stars and said, "Keep this woman occupied." Yeah. They get into an airplane crash. Yeah. Now, of course, the press gets a hold of it and thinks that they're both fucking. Yeah. And so there's also this thing where he thinks the the guy, yeah. the the writer, the guy the guy whose uh, the guy whose wife died, yeah. thinks that she's fucking around on him also. 
And Kirk so Douglas. there's like there's emotional damage. There's going all this on sort there. of stuff. And the movie's a little bit. It's interesting too. It's also Dark. about the relationship between um, public people and the press, mm-hmm. like how how that works or how that doesn't work. And again, it, it bears some resemblance to um, a, a better film for sure, Sunset Boulevard. But yeah. but it has a lot of the same sort of. It's probing at some of the same questions, which aren't really necessarily Hollywood questions, but questions of success of being a public figure, of the public's perception of those public figures. Um, I I enjoyed this film a lot. Now, this film was very soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the distinction? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's it makes the soap opera the soap opera parts are shorter. They're more to the point mm. of the movie. I love this movie. I thought it was really yeah. good. I totally total thumbs up on this flick. Yeah. Very 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 uh, sort of uh, very tepid on um, uh, the postman always uh, rings twice. Always uh, rings twice. Always brings Woody the mice. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just picture a postman with like two little. I'm oh, sorry. Anyways. Okay. Uh, I guess. <laughs> then, but I love this movie. So uh, the bad and the beautiful. Definitely a, definitely a given. Yeah. And it, I think they both have um, the strong points that we can agree on with the cinematography now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the German. The German guy is nice. And Kirk Douglas has never looked more like Kirk Douglas than in this movie. I don't know how else to say that, but he's like, ah. He's, it would bet, it he's bet. on fire. Yeah. He, he's um, on fuego, man. He's on fuego. What a, <laughs> what a um, athletic motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a he was a, he was like a collegiate wrestler or something like that. And he was a weightlifter. And it, it, it actually is a bit of a warning against um, keeping healthy. So Tom, you're going down the right road because mm-hmm. well, because that the the bad the beautiful is like fifty or sixty five years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. Kirk Douglas is still kind of alive. Yes, <laughs> ish, yeah, ish. Right, yeah. that's a problem. Alive adjacent. Alive right? adjacent. It's a problem, I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fucking shame. Yeah, what are you gonna do? All right, uh, I don't know. all right. So, uh, God, no, wait. What if I did? What if I did live that long? What if you live that long in your current state? <laughs> no, let's worries. extrapolate forward. This is like, whoa, that'd be bad. What's the line? What's the Vegas line on Tom? <laughs> hey now, hey now, keep keep angering me like that. Uh-huh. All right, so um, we are the Finley's on Film, and we would appreciate it if you'd rate and review us on iTunes. Please, yes. If you are liking what you're hearing, which seems possible <laughs> sometimes, then consider <laughs> becoming a Patreon subscriber at the $5 plus per month level. If you do that, then you'll have access to two new episodes per month and also access to the Patreon-only subscriber archives. And they are growing, sort of. Yes, they are. Uh, Tommy, you have some business? Sort of. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Go uh, check me out on uh, tomsmithcomedy.com if you like. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've got uh, shows posted there whenever they're going to be coming up. And um, I like that. And And all like that. All that good stuff. All All right, right, buddy. Love you, Pally. Uh, Happy 4th, man. Happy 4th, man. Happy 4th de juillet.